you can always apologize for mistakes you made. We all make them. And it's honorable to be able to say to your child, gee, I'm really sorry. I should not have done that. I shouldn't have let you do that. I shouldn't have said that. And your children will learn it's okay. And that life goes on after mistakes and everyone can learn something from, from an apology. So it, it just boosts the ability for them to communicate more clearly. Rachel Green, Brooklyn-based divorce mediator and collaborative attorney, and this is my podcast, Keep the Kids in Mind. Join me as I chat with other industry professionals about everything from smoothly navigating your way through divorce to prenups, all the while keeping the kids in mind. Hello, um, I'm Rachel Green, and welcome to Keep the Kids in Mind. I am very pleased today to have as my guest Rosalind Sadaka who is recognized as the voice of child-centered divorce. She's a divorce and co-parenting coach, and she's done fantastic work um, helping families protect children. And she's the author of How Do I Tell the Kids About Divorce? A Create a Storybook Guide for Preparing Your Children with Love, um, and also an eight-hour anger, man anger management program for co-parents. And she hosts the Divorce Dating and Empowered Living radio show and podcast. And this is her second time on Keep the Kids in Mind. Um, and we have set aside this podcast to talk about dating after divorce. So welcome, Rosalind. Oh, thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be back with you. Pleasure to have you. So um, I think that uh, divorce, I'm sorry, dating after separating or divorcing after having restructured your family um, really can raise a lot of difficult challenges for parents. And my hope is that listening to this podcast will help them to avoid some of the pitfalls. So what are some of the things you've seen people do that have worked and that haven't worked? And yeah, what do you tell parents? That That's a great way to start. What I remind parents is that Dating after divorce is not just about you. And it may seem that way. It may seem like, am I ready to date? And how do I look? And how do I feel? And what kind of person am I trying to attract? And all of that is about you. But if you're a parent, then it's much more complex than for people who aren't parents, because you are going into the dating world with children in involved. And that is crucially important that you have the mindset of knowing that you are going to be protecting your children before, during the dating process, and should you get into a committed relationship, a marriage, or something like that, then after that, moving into a blended family dynamic. And all of those are, are important steps um, that need to be addressed very carefully and mindfully, because innocent children are at their, their feelings are at stake, their emotional well-being is at stake. And sometimes we get so excited about the fact I'm finally out of that bad relationship, that marriage is over, I want to get out, I want to fall in love, I want to find someone new in my life. And of course, we're all happy for you and want you to have that. But as a parent, you have another level that you have to keep in mind. And some parents have their children full-time, some parents have their children part-time, different uh, stages and relationships, the, the ages of the children, all of that will affect it. So you have to be aware of your situation and you have to be aware that you have an ex 
who also is going to be possibly out there dating and, and starting new relationships, which challenges not only you, but especially your children. Your relation, relationships are going to be challenging your children as far as your ex goes. And then there's the fourth dynamic, and that's the new partner who may or may not have children and who's, who's um, getting attached to you, but you come with children. And so there's a lot in the picture. So this is not an easy situation. And that's what I just want to remind everyone about, that there's a lot of complexities. The good news is you're not the first person to be going through this. And there are better ways to do it. And right. that's what we're it, going to be talking about today. Right. And if people have their eyes open and, and are thinking in advance about these four elements, then they can hopefully navigate them without falling into the... <laughs> the deep. Um, well so said. you said there are four elements. So there, the the person who wants to date, mm-hmm. the children, the children or child, mm-hmm. your ex, and your new partner. Okay. And each each individual has a personality and a psyche and and their own it, needs, their own needs and and right. values. And yes, so you could see how it can be very complex, and that's why the more mindful you are about all of this, the more you can put yourself in the shoes of those three other entities, ah. the better the outcome is going to be because you're seeing it from your ex's side because jealousies erupt, insecurities erupt. Suddenly you're flirting and having a great time and your partner may not be or vice versa. And that's, and that's true even when someone initiated the divorce and and you know the the person who didn't initiate was terribly hurt. That's right. And no, I've I've seen that. I I had a case where the the husband was devastated um, that his wife found someone else, and then it was six years later that he got into a relationship, married, had another baby, and she was furious. Yes, yes, she was so furious. That's exactly what we're talking about, and we can't predict how we're going to react, nor always how our former spouse is going to react, nor how our children are going to react. And it's important to to be aware that it's very likely that different children will react differently, depending on their personalities, their ages, their own individual situations at the time this is happening, insecurities. So there's a lot that happens. And you, you want to the most important thing to remember is to take all of this very slowly, mm. more slowly than you would think. Because number one, I always remind my clients, you want to do the inner work first. So yes, you want to get dolled up and look good and feel good about yourself and get out there in the world and see- The outer work. Right. The outer work. See who's available. Have right. fun. Make, make new friends. But if you haven't explored what went off in my last relationship or in many of my last relationships, what do I need to know and understand? What lessons should I take away from the marriage or the relationship? What should I do different? Should I be choosing differently? Am I always attracted to this kind of person who hurts me, manipulates me, is too aggressive, is is too benign, whatever it is? Should I, how do I choose differently this time around? And what are my values and interests? Most of us, when we're 
post-divorce are in midlife. We're not kids anymore. You have a different, a, a, a different way of approaching dating and relationships in your in your 20s or, or early 30s. And maybe you're a little older now. And so you're more, con- you should be, I believe, <clears throat> excuse me, more concerned about character traits and qualities and value systems that are similar to yours. So you're not um, having a relationship with someone who you really aren't aligned with in, in many important ways. And so that's what you want to look at. What part did I play in the, in the breakup of the relationship? What part did my partner pe- play in the breakup of the relationship? And how can I choose differently so I don't get that partner again and again? And let me tell you, Rachel, it is very common for second and third marriages for people to remarry their type, so to speak. And so they're with another alcoholic. They're, they're mm-hmm. with another manipulator or abuser. They're, they're with another person who has no interest in them. What, whatever it is, you don't want that. You right. want definitely... And you can't change your pattern unless you consciously are aware of what, what it was it and how I could change it. What should I be looking for now? Yeah. So I love to remind people that it's great to explore new people, new places. If you always went to that kind of a club or, or restaurant to go out on the on, uh, weekends, go to different places, go with different people, meet different people, find classes that interest you, courses uh, shows, uh, start playing a new instrument or get a new hobby or, or cooking or learn a language or do something that you haven't done before, because that's going to open up new worlds of people to meet that aren't in your same unit. Mm-hmm. We get too stuck with the same old and we right. recreate the same old. We, most of us live in by patterns, right? So if you're just replaying your pattern, you're going to get a very similar outcome to last time around. I read something um, by a therapist who was talking about how it's as if um, life is a tapestry with many colors. And when we, we, um, you know, we've had certain experiences, those colors are much more glittery and, and call to us. And then um, if we're looking for a partner, we tend to find someone who has the same colors that are glittering. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why, you know, people who come from a family with a parent who's an alcoholic will have a tendency to be attracted to people who have alcohol problems. Yeah. And we, yeah. we do. It's like we're programmed to replay our exactly our hurts well, and our pains, wanting well, a different result the next time, but we don't get it unless we do some work. So true. Yeah. Mo- most of us definitely are playing on automatic most of the time. And we have to be consciously aware of making changes in our energy, in our activities, in our thinking, in order to change the kind of people we attract in our lives. And you want to attract someone in your life who respects you, very important in a relationship, who who loves and cares about you, who's, who's not only fun to be with during the good times, but during the tough times, see how they behave when they're sick or when right. they lose their job or when something, uh, they have an accident. See, see how your that person behaves when life isn't exactly wonderful because right. that's when you get to know how a, a person really is on, on the inside. Yeah. So that's very important. And one thing that I have to say right up front is that if you're a parent, you need to let your potential partners know that you're a parent 
upfront early immediately. on. Six mm-hmm. months later isn't appropriate to say, oh, by the way, I have two kids at home. Right. That's not fair to you or to the other person. So you want you want to find people, obviously a new partner is not going to love your children, but you want someone who likes kids, who respects kids, who understands your connection to your children, and who isn't in, in a competitive mindset where they're trying to compete and get all of your love and attention and, and uh, let the kids from the kids all how they how they will right. because that's you're starting out in a bad way. So yeah. be honest up front, ask them if they have children and discuss the relationship you have with your children and your commitment to them. And don't be ashamed of that because your kids are totally dependent on you for their love and their well being and they're going to be insecure and afraid. So let's talk about the children next. So the children are going to be insecure about whether they're losing their parent, like to this new person. Yes. That's, that's interesting. It's, it's very realistic for them to feel that way. And that's going to shake up your relationship a little bit because you may not be expecting it. Or you may want to slough it off and say, hey, John, don't be silly that, you know, mommy loves you and always will. But if you need to listen to your children and hear how they're feeling, because even if you don't like what they're saying, you need to acknowledge it and hear them and say, so I hear you're, you're worried about mommy maybe not giving you as much time and attention. If mommy has a new friend, then maybe I won't love you as much. I understand how you could feel that way, but let me tell you, that's not the case. But you need to talk to them eyeball to eyeball so that you're looking at them and they hear you. And it may be a conversation that that you you talk about many, many times over the next few months because they need the reassurance. That's so interesting, Rosalind, because I had been thinking that dating is harder with teenage kids, you know, because they don't want to even think about their parents having a love life and certainly not a sex life. And, um, you know, and they're just, they're trying to figure out what all this is about love relationships anyway. And then suddenly, you know, you're dating, but I didn't draw the line to realize that like young kids will just be insecure to feel like, oh, mom's paying attention to this new person who, you know, who is who is this? And is mom going to still love me? And of course, children of all ages can feel that insecurity. That's right. If they don't know what marriage and divorce are. That's right. Yeah. And you're very right that it does, it can get more complicated with teens because teens have more memory of how life was in the past, whether it's two months ago, two years ago, or 10 years ago. And so they they remember things being different and they're more judgmental and opinionated. So teens are more likely to take sides during the divorce and after the divorce. And they may be more critical of the new person coming into your life. So you by being prepared and and expecting this or 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 knowing that this can happen, at least you're thinking about it, thinking of things you could say, reassuring your children and letting them know that. Nothing is going to change about your connection with your children, whether you have a new love relationship or not. A new partner in your life is not going to change. The, your relationship with your children is, is that one that is solid and 
when kids have that feeling of knowing that they're much more open to embracing a new person in their life because they're not a threat. That's the important thing is to not. Right. That they have a solid foundation of knowing they're completely loved by their parents. And then that helps them to accept another change. Exactly. New person. Exactly. And so it, you want to do the introducing to children in a very slow process. I would suggest dating and not introducing your children at all to partners until you feel you found a keeper, so to speak, until you're serious about someone, because otherwise you can get a a revolving door of every three months or every six months, someone new comes into your life, which is fine if you're dating. But when it comes into your children's lives, kids can get very attached to someone. Mm. They can feel very hurt and wounded when this person is no longer there. Um, it, It can be very confusing for them. And they don't need to have the ups and downs. We all know that dating is difficult enough for us as adults, let alone including the kids in the picture. So it's best to put your social life on a separate platform on the days that you're not with your children. And then to to go out, explore dating, learn from the relationships that you're in, encountering, and then only start to introduce your children when you've found someone who you really feel will be an asset into their life. And yeah. that, again, is a very slow process, small little a half an hour at a McDonald's for, for a lunch, a walk in the park, things that are quick and easy. And the most important thing is ask your children what they thought of your new friend and listen because they are not going to be in love the same way as you. So sometimes the kids after two or three visits start to like the person. Sometimes they get even angrier and they dislike the person. We, we can't predict, but you, you never want to make them feel that what they're feeling is wrong or invalid. And you can talk and find out if there's a way that that we could make things better doing this instead of that, trying this instead of that. So you could listen and see. Sometimes in a family, one or two kids will like the new person and one or two will not like the new person. And that's just the way life is. And so it it's a process, but we want to take it very slowly. And so, always reminding the kids about their primary place in your life. Right. So what can you do if a family came to you, let's say, and one parent had an affair, ended the marriage, and now is planning to marry this person? And I, I, um, I, I ask because I, I know a family... Uh, with four kids that that had that scenario and the kids just hated their stepmother. And I think to this day, they're adults now, but I think to this day, they just never, they never forgave her. They blamed her for the end of their parents' marriage. And is there any way to repair that? (laughs) Well, it's, it's better not to let it get that far along from the beginning. So if the parents are more mindful that just because I'm in love with this person, I can't assume that my four kids are going to be in love with this person too. It may be that they needed much more time. I think they needed much more time. I mean, they did not do this slowly. Yeah. That slowly is always better. It may be that the parents, one or both parents needed to sit down with the kids and make it okay 
uh, the, obviously the parent who's in love and having a relationship wants to say, you come first, but I, I'm hoping you're going to like Susan because Susan's a wonder, she's a wonderful friend for me. And I hope we can do some things and have more fun together. What do you suggest and get the kids involved? Or it may be that you are sitting down and saying, daddy's now with Susan and he loves her and she loves him. And Susan's going to be in our life. What can we do to make her feel more welcome? Or how can we accept accept some of the things that we're not crazy about, Susan, but that daddy likes? Have conversations and let your kids' feelings count. Right. That, that always helps because when they don't feel they're being dismissed and they're just being forced into a situation, they, they're a little more relaxed and accepting about things. You know, I think this father was angry and defensive. You know, I mean, he was angry at his kids for not loving his new partner right. the way he did. Right. And, you know, and um, and I think he was very defensive of criticism of her. And uh, yeah, which is not the right approach. Yeah. And it's helpful to have a divorce coach or a therapist participate in this because you're getting an objective third party who does this professionally, who has seen this happen many times, and there's always suggestions that a professional can offer that you may not be thinking of yourself because you're so close to your own drama. So right. it's, it's very helpful, and especially to be mindful about that children will be very defensive when they're pushed into a situation. It's, it's not uncommon for them to hate the step-parent. And it may be that the step-parent isn't a bad step-parent. Right. Sometimes it's helpful for the other parent, one mom, to be accepting of the other mom and say, mm. you know, I've spoken to her. I've told her that you don't like such and such. She wants to make some shifts and changes about that. Let's give her a chance. It's easier if they're getting the support from one parent giving them permission to like, because sometimes the kids just are defending the other parent right? feel they're doing the right thing. So this is that's also so hard for a parent who's hurt and who, who was left by, you know, the spouse and this new person. And now you're asking the, the person who was left, who's so hurt, to like rise to the occasion and say, no, let's accept that this person is in our lives. And yes, I, I, I asked a lot of them and it, it is asking a lot. So I had a, a client in exactly that situation. She was pregnant with the third child when he left her. She was furious. He had an affair and left her pregnant with the third child, hates his guts and hated this other woman and would have nothing to do with them. So they couldn't even exchange when the kids went from one house to the other. They couldn't even do it in person because there was so much anger. She could not let go. And I always ask the question, do you love your children more than you hate your ex? And she couldn't say yes. She, she hated him so much that that was all that she cared about. So two or three years went by, and these were young kids, three, four, five-year-old kids who were adapting to dad's new girlfriend who became his wife. And one day, the, one of the little kids said to her, Mommy, why are you always so mean every time we're, we're around Gloria? And she finally got it that the kids were being affected by this because they're seeing mom 
not being the loving mom they're, they're used to, but she's different. She's changed. She's mean. And she changed for the sake of the kids, not because of Gloria, but for the sake of the kids. She changed her attitude and approach, and everything eased up in the whole family dynamic. And she realized that she was really not doing the best thing for her children. So sometimes we need to step into it for a while before we, we realize that's not the best. Yeah. It's always better if we could talk to a professional and find out ways of avoiding those things so you don't spend years making a mistake that you ultimately regret. Right. And, and you know, the kids bear the scars. I mean, yes. they grow up overly protective of a parent who was hurt because the parent didn't work through their own hurt feelings and it can hamper them in, in their pursuing opportunities out of, this, you know, going to a different city. Oh, I can't go to a different city. I can't leave my mother. She still needs me to take care of her. Um, because the mother never worked through the hurt of the divorce. Yes. You, you're making such important points, Rachel. Those are such important points to keep in mind because the kids naturally want to protect you and they want to support and help you. And it's never our children's place to parent us. Right. And they will naturally do that because that's all they know. They, they, they see their, their parent hurting and they want to embrace you and say, it's okay. I'm going to be the big girl, the big boy in the family. I'm going to make it okay, ma. But that isn't fair to our children. We should always be the parent and let them have their childhood. Because once they're parenting you, they, they've lost their childhood innocence. And that's robbing them of their childhood. So we yeah. don't want that to happen. No, we don't. So um, can you say more about different ages and dating? And like what, you know, if you have like a five or six-year-old, four or five or six-year-old, what would they perceive what would be important with a child that age versus, you know, nine, 10, 11 versus. Yes. So obviously the older they are, the more sophisticated and the more they, they're going to ask crucial questions. Um, the younger children just want to like someone. And if they're treated well, they usually will have a good time and it's okay. Uh, regardless of how old they are, you want to ask them questions, how they feel and make sure they feel that, that what they're saying counts. I've also noticed that when the other parent is still in their life, so if you're a, a mom and dad is still in your children's life, the children aren't as defensive and angry about this another step-parent coming in because they know this new person isn't replacing dad. They're just, they're just a friend, another adult in my life. But the important thing is, is for this new parent never to come in and suddenly be a disciplinarian or, or act as if they're a replacement for the other parent. That's uh -huh. when you really get into a lot of drama and tension and kids being very defensive because no, no one wants that. So, the, so the you have to talk to your new partner and say, you know, this is going to be a little difficult. We have to do it slowly. And you have to remember that they have their father and he's always going to be their father. And he's going to be part of your life if you're going to be in my life and my children's life, you know, so. Well said. That's exactly 
the kind of conversations that, that you need to have because the children are reassured. They're not catastrophizing the future because they're hearing from you that dad's still in your life and plays an important part for graduations and birthday parties and important things. He will be there. And, and so will Joe be there. And Joe is, is not going to be trying to be dad. Joe's going to be a friend who's going to take care of you and be an adult role model and someone to have a good time with, but never replacing that. When it's like that, it's just simpler. It's just an easier dynamic because you're not overstepping boundaries in, in any area. And the children are much more likely to um, accept this new person in, in their life. And so we, we do need to think about jealousies because jealousies erupt partially because one parent is doing something in a different time frame than the other parent. Things mm. do not move exactly the same. Both parents may be dating and one can fall in love two years before the other parent. So there's a long gap. It's not equally the same. And one parent can be much more angry at it than the other parent because they initiated the divorce. So there's, there's so many factors that come into play. So there's insecurities and, and feelings of c- competition between the parents and, when, and with the children. And when, when jealousy uh, occurs, we have to be very kind and mindful and let the other person know that doesn't have to be the case, that we're not competing. I can love you and still have love for another person in my life because it's a different kind of love. So you're my ex and I respect you as a parent. I'm in love with this new partner. It's a different relationship. You're my child. I love no one more than than you in my life, but the love I have for this new partner is a wonderful, fun love for me and a happiness for me but it doesn't in any way change the depth of my relationship with you as my child. So we need to do a lot of massaging and reminding everyone of their place and that relationships don't have to be a competition because we are able to love many people in many different ways in our life as human beings. And we could remind the kids of they love their pets and that doesn't change. Loving your pet doesn't mean you love your parents any differently. You could love some of your friends, but that doesn't change your love for your parents. So this is, and and grandparents and and uncles and cousins and all of that. So this is a reality lesson that's very important for children to understand and grasp. And it gives them a sense of peace once they get that, that they don't have. Yeah. Love is not a defined quantity. Exactly. The more, the more people or pets that we have in our lives, who love us, the more love we have to give back to them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's kind of amazing. I I feel like the number one thing that I've gotten from you (laughs) is to realize how important it is to just talk to your children. Like you said, eyeball to eyeball and look them in the eye and say, how are you feeling? And then say, that sounds normal. I understand why you feel that way. Whatever they say, even if they say, I hate Joe, I never want to see him again. You spent too much time with Joe. I don't like his voice. Whatever they say, that you have to just accept it and say, oh, so it sounds like you're having a lot of trouble when Joe comes over and you feel like you hate him. 
and that, that must be very irritating. I can understand how irritated with me you must be when you're feeling that way. And maybe what can we what can we say to Joe to what can we say to Joe something different about this because what you're saying matters it's important to me I understand how you're feeling maybe I can ask Joe some things what would you prefer he do so we could get into a conversation when the kids feel they're not powerless but empowered and part of your life in a in a way where you're not just tossing them aside and disrespecting them. They're much more likely to come up with reasonable ways of adapting to a situation. And also, sometimes your kids are right, and you really shouldn't be dating Joe, and, and you, you just haven't been able to look and see. So sometimes you need to listen to your kids, and they may be telling you something that you're overlooking because you're, you're just so smitten. Uh-huh. So on occasion, that's, that's the, tr- the truth also. But whatever it is, we, we need to let them know that they count, they matter, and that we value how they feel. And everyone wants to feel validated in life. That's one of the most important things in all communication. So they're learning wonderful lessons in all of these things. And I always remind clients that it's okay to apologize to our children and say, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, I should have asked you first about this, can you forgive me? Your children will forgive you, and they'll learn that it's okay, it's human to make mistakes, I could make mistakes too and ask to be forgiven, and that's a fabulous lesson for children. That's a fabulous lesson, because all of us will make mistakes. Of course. Yes. So are there any, um, what about, you know, beginning a parent, beginning a sexual relationship? Like, um, if you have teenage children, is that different than if you have eight or nine year olds? I mean, they're going to notice that if someone's sleeping over when they're there, or do you advise that they not have sleepovers until they're ready to get married or? Well, you don't want to have sleepovers until you know that this is a serious relationship. And also until you feel your children have accepted I person. mean, you can have sleepovers, but just on nights when you right. don't have the kids. Exactly. When the kids are there, you, you want to build up to the time when, when the sleepover takes place because the kids have accepted and are comfortable with, with the person. person and with that scenario. And in some families, it's, it's a couple of months, and in some it may be months and months and months or, right. or years, it, depending on the situation. And, and yes, the teens are obviously more observant, they're more aware, they're, they're going to um, give, give you more, more uh, stuff to, to um, have to cope with and explain. And so it forces us to be very conscious and mindful about how we do things and, and what we say to them and integrity. And also there's another factor when you have a real blended family, there may be other kids in the picture. The oh, new, right. Joe may, Joe may have two of his own yeah. different ages. And then you have a real blended family. And, and that means moving even more slowly because more jealousy and insecurity. Why are you paying more attention to his daughter than you are to me? You know, is, is this person better than me? So it, it just is a more complex and difficult situation. And we have to use our best mature skills in letting everyone feel that they count and aren't discounted. 
So you want to go even more slowly because you want to take the time to talk to every person who's yes. involved. Yes. That's and so it's interesting. To, it's good to start having family maybe once a week, once every two weeks. Have a family meeting. Every Wednesday, Wednesday night after dinner, we all sit around and we talk about things. So maybe Joe is now in the room with us and we're all having a conversation about what we liked and didn't like about what happened last week. And we, we could feel comfortable bringing up, I didn't like when Joe said that or, or did such and such. And we talk about it and everyone counts. Everyone's feelings count because it's, it's our feelings that create the, the tension and the energy in relationships, good or bad. And so when we give people permission to just express their feelings, it's very likely you'll say, gee, I had no idea you felt that way. I didn't re it just didn't occur to me that you may take it that way. I'm really sorry. That's not what I meant. And it may be as simple as that to, to move on because you acknowledged it and it wasn't a big deal. When we let things, things fester, that's when it becomes more complicated. And it's, it's also so interesting. I just, the thought of doing that just gave me terror in my heart, you know, to think about the risk of what if Joe said, I didn't, you know, to a 12 year old kid, I didn't like when you said whatever. Um, so the rule could happen. And then I would say, Joe. Well, the rules are that Joe's allowed to say that too. If, if, if everyone's allowed to, and, and we make, we establish agreements up front. So this is a real family conference and we could all hug at the end and, you know, forgive each other and own things. It doesn't always work out perfectly. Obviously you could see it takes a great deal of maturity to do these things. And that's part of why we test the waters and we do everything very slowly. Right. Sometimes right. you just realize this could never be a long-term relationship. It was a great fling. I had, a, I had fun, but this person is not the kind of person, doesn't have the, the quality and character traits to be an important part of my children's life. Right. right. And so you, you move on and you let, you let that go. But, and you probably apologize to your kids and say, yeah, and you exactly, you, apologize. I'm sorry that I put you through meeting Joe and you know, you're right. I now see your criticisms of him and exactly. Thank you for sharing also, your feelings with me. Also, you, it, it may be good to bring the teachers in because teachers see a lot at school that we're not seeing. And if you let them know, Johnny just went through a divorce six months ago, a year ago, two months ago. Um, can you keep an eye and let me know if anything changes in his personality traits, in his grades, anything going on there? Sometimes it's helpful because, again, this is common in our culture. Teachers are used to seeing this, and they are very likely to alert you and say something is going on. Suddenly, um, Johnny's a bully. He was never a bully last year. Mm. Um, you know, he, he, he seems troubled, right? Or he's not, he's not talking to his best friends anymore. Whatever the situation is, it, it may accelerate your learning about things much sooner than what you are picking up at home. I had a guidance counselor as a guest a few weeks ago, and, um, it was wonderful hearing. I mean, he's seen it so many times and the insights that he had were just, you know, breathtaking <laughs> of, um, 
ways family navigate this. So I think that's a great suggestion to, to bring, you know, be in touch with the teacher and the school, and they can help support your child through these transitions too. Absolutely. Yeah. So Rosalind, we're nearing the end of our, our conversation today, but this has been so helpful and I'm going to continue to refer my clients to childcenteredivorce.com. Um, where you have such a wealth of information and I've been forwarding your newsletter every time I get it in my inbox. So I encourage our listeners to subscribe to that as well, which they can do on your website. Um, What are like the top three or four takeaways that you would have for people as far as dating after divorce? Well, one is, is to remember that you are role models for your children always and they are watching and learning from you, especially as you enter new relationships. So be aware of your place as a role model and think before you act, and that'll keep you from doing some things. You may be tempted, and then if you think about it, what are the consequences? Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's too soon to do that, and that that is a good way of behaving. Uh, the second is to remember that you can always apologize for mistakes you made. We all make them. And it's honorable to be able to say to your child, gee, I'm really sorry. I should not have done that. I shouldn't have let you do that. I shouldn't have said that. And your children will learn it's okay. And that life goes on after mistakes and everyone can learn something from from an apology. So it, it just boosts the ability for them to communicate more clearly. Also, Communication skills are the most important skills we have because it's not what we say, it's it's the energy. People read us in more than just the speaking, and so it's our body language. So if you're rolling your eyes when you talk about dad, if you're smirking, if you're making side comments to your friends or or the neighbors on the phone, and you you think the kids are, are playing in another room, but they hear you saying, things that aren't flattering about their parent. Those are very hurtful things. It's very common for that to happen. And we have to really be aware of not saying things around the kids so that they can't hear it, they can't see it. They're not exposed to you bad-mouthing or demeaning their other parent at any time. And they'll, they'll learn to be more respectful about other people. And remind your children that your love for them is unconditional. That no matter what is going on in your life, it's ups and downs. Your love for them will always be the same. Some children think that if you divorce dad, you you maybe can divorce me if I get bad grades in school or I'm hitting my brother or whatever. And of course, that's not the case. And so it's very important that you let your children know that your love for them is unconditional. They could say anything to you. And you're willing to talk about anything because they matter and, and you care about them. Right. And that'll help them weather the storm of a lot of the crazy things that are, are new in their life, in your life, in the whole family dynamic. Yeah. They can get through it and remind them that things are going to get better and better because we're working on it. Right. So let's, let's all do this together as a family. That's wonderful. Thank you so much again for being a guest on Keep your kids in mind, Rosalind. Um, you have such a wealth of of insight. I just love talking to you. Well, thank I you. I will be in touch. talking to you as well. Thank you. Take care.
Bye-bye. Bye.